At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. You found primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back on primetime action live from the South Point, Gil Alexander, Matt Brown, Kelly Bidlin, talking some football. Can't talk enough about those games over the weekend and the championship games coming forward. Let's bring in Tank Williams from Yahoo, former NFL player. Good evening, Tank. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, greatest football day yesterday, greatest football weekend ever. Let me go reverse on this, not to be negative here on this. But of all the co- – I mean, as great as the football was, there was a lot of defensive uh, question marks in some of those mm-hmm. late-game situations. Cooper Cup getting behind a defense. Mike Evans getting behind a defense. Gabriel Davis, uh, you know, minus the one where the corner fell, getting behind defenses. On and on and on, not to mention the Chiefs obviously doing the same on offense to the Bills' defense. What was the worst or the most perplexing coaching non-decision or decisions of the weekend to you? I mean, it's tough because, I mean, you can look at the play with Cooper Cup getting behind the defender, and that's an all-out blitz. At the same time, he had his feet set. He has the number one wide receiver in all of football, Cooper Cup, in the slot. So when you have a number one receiver in the slot, use the offensive coordinator trying to get him the ball. So he's flat-footed. The linebacker doesn't blitz, but doesn't help him out, so the ball doesn't come out fast enough. He gets caught flat-footed, and that's how they end up throwing over the top. So you compare it up to being like a bad call, bad technique, all that stuff together, but it was just poor execution all around. When you look at it from the Buffalo Bills standpoint, there's no way you should lose a game when you go up with 13 seconds left. So I don't know if you want to blame the head coach for kicking it deep and not running off any clock by doing like a little pooch kick or a squid kick or somehow playing to protect the sidelines when Kansas City has a timeout so they can work the middle of the field. But regardless of the play call and all that, I feel like players play the game and players have to execute. And so therefore, you got to get a stop. I mean, on that last play, to Mahomes and uh, to Kelsey to Mahomes, they drew that up in the dirt. When the Buffalo Bills called their last time out, Kelsey was like, yo, if they line up on me this way, I'm going to just go ahead and run this other route. Instead of the play that was called, and they ended up getting uh, enough yardage for the field goal. So sometimes you just can't beat greatness. Tank, when you're in a situation like that, I mean, we see this like super, super soft zone that they're sitting there playing or whatever. Like if you're a defensive coordinator and you're sitting there like, what are you calling? Because it seems to me like it's counterproductive to be so incredibly far. I understand you don't want to get, let the guy get behind you. I, I, I completely understand that. But at the same time, when you are just handing them 20 yards, they, like, they, that's got to be suboptimal. I mean, it's tough because, I mean, you, you feel like if there's only 13 seconds left, it's going to be really hard for them to complete enough passes and gain enough yardage in order to get in field goal range. So you want to play loose enough to where you don't give up a big play. At the same time, you need to play tight enough to where you're competitive. And so after they give up that big play to Tyreek, where they get in striking distance, I think that's when you need to go ahead and change up your calls, understanding that they have one timeout, that they're probably going to like to work a tight throw in the seam. I mean, the first thing I thought about when I saw the amount of time that they had left, that more likely was going to Kelsey in the seam route so he can catch it, 
and get down. So if anything, don't give up that much space in between. If you're going to play him with outside leverage, have an inside linebacker buzzing towards him because you know they're going to probably try to hit the, the seams. And so from that standpoint, I think, I mean, it's tough. I mean, there's really no perfect defense but perfect execution. And like I said, Travis Kelsey and Mahomes, they were just drawing up plays in the dirt, and they ended up just running to an open spot and uh, completing the pass. So, I mean, I can try to talk about it and say they should have called this, called that. But if Kelsey was going to just run whatever he wanted to to find open space <laughs> and Mahomes was going to dart in there, there's really no defense for that. I don't want to belabor this, but it'll be the last thing about the coaching. But let's go back to the, the 13 seconds left in the game. So those of us who do these shows, and I have for years in the morning, I've talked about the mortar kick. And people will criticize me on Twitter for years about, oh, what are you talking about? No NFL coach does it, but you know better than them. I'm not saying I know X's and O's better. I don't know anything about X's and O's compared to a coach. But in those moments late in the game, there is some game theory stuff that is really optimal optimal actions to win a football game. And I guess what I'm asking, what, what I'd be curious to know from your perspective as a player, as a former player is, is there any chatter in those moments? Like, are players present enough in those moments to to say to a coach, oh, coach, we need to do this right here, or to the special teams coach, we should do this, or we should, like, grab receivers on the last drive or whatever. Is there any kind of chatter, or do you just kind of sit back and do what you're told to do? You know, I... There's not any chatter with the coach. Usually they're making that decision. But I think when you're in that situation, like, for example, like when the 49ers played the Green Bay Packers earlier in the year, Aaron Rodgers had a timeout in, what, 37 seconds left on the clock, something like that. Everyone, when they looked at the clock, they're like, hmm, he has a chance. And the way that game went last night, even though there are only 13 seconds left on the clock, I was like, there's no way Kansas City comes back right, but there's a chance. If that little bit of there's a chance, like dumb and dumber, like there's a chance, if that pops in your head, you need to do whatever you can to try to eliminate as much time off the clock so Mahomes doesn't have an opportunity to do that to you. Like now, I mean, everything has changed. The calculus has changed. Like Mahomes has showed everyone what you can do in 13 seconds. Now everyone's going to be practicing that situation of football. You like to practice that beforehand, but I don't know how many other people in the world can do that but Mahomes. Like when that dude locks in, he becomes the third splash, but I don't know how many times I have to say that. He only does stuff that Clay and Steph could do on the basketball court. He does that on the football field, stuff that you can't even fathom. He makes it believable. All right, Tank, so let's look forward here instead of looking backwards, and let's look at these uh, championship games. So let's start in the AFC since we're talking about this anyway. You've, you've got this Chiefs team that seems to be – kind of peaking at the right time, obviously really stumbled towards the beginning of the season on the offensive side of the ball and the defensive side of the ball. They started figuring some stuff out middle of the way. I mean, listen, that game yesterday, I, I said this earlier, but I mean, you, you've got Mahomes, like you said, not only with all that talent, but now he's playing within himself, right? I mean, he didn't throw a single ball 20 yards down the field yesterday. He just took what the defense gave him and they were still able to march up and down the field. But then you have the, the Cincinnati team with, with Burrow and all of those weapons. I mean, it is like you, if it's not Chase, it's, it's Higgins. If it's not Higgins, it's Boyd. If it's not Boyd, it's Uzama. If it's not him, it's Mixon coming out of the backfield. I mean, I, I, I feel like this plays closer than than people think here. This spread sitting at seven seven and a half right now. Could we not see something fairly similar to what we saw this past week with both teams just kind of scoring on each other up and down the field? Oh, absolutely. You can definitely see that narrative. I think regardless of what happens, after seeing Mahomes steal that game away from Buffalo with thirteen seconds left, I don't think there's any way that the Chiefs do not go to the Super Bowl. 
But with that being said, like, yeah, Burrow's definitely capable. And if you want to do it, it shouldn't be Burrow slanging that thing around and Higgins and Jamar Chase. They need to feed Joe Mixon, try to limit Patrick Mahomes' possessions. You want to play boring ball against the Kansas City Chiefs, and that would also help keep Chris Jones and my man Melvin Ingram off of Joe Burrow's throat, too, because if they give up four-plus sacks and turn the ball over to Kansas City, it's a wrap. Like, they need to be able to protect Joe Burrow and I don't think they can if they have to drop back 30, 40 times. I think it's going to be necessary for them to run the ball and they'll just stay in this game. Just imagine the four four great young quarterbacks all in the AFC. Herbert, uh, Mahomes, Allen, and of course Burrow. Imagine if Rodgers ends up in the AFC. The whole balance will shift. Uh, okay, second game. Niners, Rams, Rams favored by three in some spots, three and a half in others tank. Rams are all in this season, and everybody of the all-in showed up yesterday, right? Ramsey and uh, Vaughn Miller, and of course, most uh, noticeably, Matt Stafford, who that was the reason they got him. And then there's the Niners, who figured out a way, largely on special teams, to beat the Packers at Lambeau. Niners have had the Rams number under Kyle Shanahan versus Matt uh, versus Sean McVay. Pardon me. Where do you stand on this? Man, like it's hard to go against the Niners the way that they're playing ball, right? Like we understand that every time the 49ers play, there's going to be at least one time where you go, damn it, Jimmy, because he throws a ball (laughs) that he shouldn't. But at the same time, like you have to give him credit. Like the dude played well against the Green Bay Packers. Like he was getting harassed. Like the Green Bay Packers defensive front, They were eating like some animals. They weren't able to run the ball effectively. Kittle and some of these other guys had, like, drops that you never see from these guys. Yet Jimmy G was almost the glue that held them together, along with special teams, just long enough for my man Robbie Gold to come in and kick the field goal. So can they do it? Yeah, but honestly, I just don't see them just beating the Rams seven times in a row. And I think it's just for me, like, it's just like a war. But Tristan, like, you beat a team that many times, like, enough has to be enough. When the Rams have an opportunity to beat the 49ers, who shouldn't even be in the playoffs if they beat them the last game of the season, beat the 49ers to play a Super Bowl in your home stadium, like somehow, some way, you have to make that happen. And I believe the Rams do, even though I feel like the 49ers, even though it's not pretty, they're playing some of the best ball out there. But Matthew Stafford didn't turn the ball over last week. Like if Matthew Stafford does what he normally does and gives us at least a pick or two, then the Rams may be in trouble. Tank, I think I already know the answer to this from what you've answered with these questions already. But uh, when it's all said and done, who is your Super Bowl pick? Man, yeah, you already know. <laughs> it's the Chiefs. It's the Chiefs. It's like, I mean, look, like I have to say this before we go. I'm not sure how long it is till we wrap, but Josh Allen, the game that he played last night, like this dude, it was like dropping a double platinum album. And then all of a sudden, it's like right when your album hits the airwaves and everybody's like, oh, man, this is the best album I ever heard. It's like Drake or Lil Wayne or Rick Ross is coming in and be like, nah, I'm about to squash that right now. Like, that's what Mahomes did to him. He just dropped like one single and then just wrecked everything. Like, I will say this, though. Like, Josh Allen will always be that dude in my mind. And he definitely stepped up a couple of notches from where I already viewed him. But, like, that stuff that Mahomes did to him last night, man, that was just dirty. Like, you don't do that to people. And if you do that to a team in that situation, there's no way you don't leave this year without getting the ship. And so that's why I feel like the Chiefs are guaranteed to win it. Tank, for the Drake reference alone, that was excellent. We appreciate it. Thank you, Tank. <laughs> no Tank, Tank, for having me. Tank Williams, everybody, uh, on the show. You can follow him on Twitter at TankWilliams13. Uh, former NFL player, does his stuff for Yahoo now on the NFL. 
Chiefs all the way for Tank. Uh, we'll come back. I don't know if Kelly and Matt want to go through this. But we're going to go through our golf one and done and our draft. We'll see how the draft shook out. Look at some Australian Open matches and some more football. A little dogfight between the Knicks and Cleveland. Stop tied blowing up. this game, Cavs. Tied up under two minutes left. Coming back, Beeson's primetime action. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. Back on primetime, Gil, Matt, and Kelly. Kelly, what are you sweating in this uh, Cavaliers-Knicks game here? Cavs minus five, and Evan Mobley is, uh, has been crucial in every play, seemingly, in the past four plays. If you're a big man, you got to finish You got to finish at the rim for the, the and one, Gil. Yeah, he's not finishing. No. I mean, I mean he's a rook. He'll learn. But, but you, you got you got to finish that bucket. You were in cover position. Especially when you're laying five, you know? You were in cover position <laughs> very easily. They were up 12. They were up 12. Oh, oh that, that his first free throw twirls around the rim twice and misses. So it's 94-91. Mobley will get a second shot here as we uh, root Kelly's bet in. 48.4 seconds left Cavs in the game. 94-91. I'm laying five. What could go wrong? Mobley misses Break. the second. Rebound knickerbockers with a chance to cut it to one or tie the game. RJ, oh, what a terrible shot. Oh, but, he, oh, but they gosh. call a foul. Got bailed out with a foul call? Oh, it was just oh. terrible. Uh, Rajon Rondo, not playoff Rondo, but regular season Rondo, Rondo gets the Do you NFL. really foul this guy? I need a replay of that. You'll that, get it. RJ, RJ Barrett, what was that? Well, that? well, what is that? But then yeah. how do you possibly fa- let a guy attempt that shot? Bailout. RJ Barrett with 22 tonight. Boy, did he turn out to be a great pick in the end. Yeah, it took, a, it took him a year or two. Yeah. But, yeah, he's playing some high-quality basketball right the, now. The other thing we forget is about the NBA, and it, it was it was on a break whenever we were trying to guess Kevin Love's age or whatever. Like, all these guys come in the league at 19. Yes. So it's just like you we, – we, like, crucify them if they're not, like, good the first couple right. of years. And it's like, the guy's – can't even legally drink yet. We like, do, he's we tw- do, well, we're the worst. We do it with baseball pitchers, yeah. too. By the way, Barrett hits both, so Kelly's only got a one-point lead now laying five. Because it feels like Kevin Love's been in the league for about 150 years. And, and he's only and 33. He's 33. Yeah. I couldn't believe that he was only 33. And, he, and he's 33 years old. Kelly's dying right now, by the way. That's I, why he's quiet. It's just you start doing the math, right? So it's like you, you need, need a bucket, bucket and a, a stop and a foul. That's exactly right. And hope for a push. You'll take the push right oh, now. Three-pointer. No good. Break. Oh, boy. Barely hit the rim. Knicks with a chance to take the lead now. Down one. Ten seconds left in this. Randall's like, I'm the best player on the court. I have no interest in passing this basketball. It's me one-on-one. Love checks him. He does pass it. Three-pointer, no good. Why are you taking that shot? Rebound, Mobley, and the Cavaliers look like they're going to win it. Yeah. Two seconds but left, but short of your of number. Kelly's number. Sorry, Kelly. Fire it up, Jeremy. Oh, we've got the loser video coming. Oh, that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate. But, it, you know, it's not... 100% over yet. Jerry, Jerry, yeah, he doesn't want to play it yet. He's like, they get like, two, uh, two free throws in the three. And you, then, you, you know the best thing of the, uh, that we didn't even mention, the best thing of the, one of the best things of the weekend, too, that we, that we didn't mention was, was the story coming out afterwards that before he even takes the field for the 52-yard field goal, Evan McPherson says to Joe Burrow, yes. well, I guess we're going to the A-State championship. So, dude, I did uh, field goal. I, I did the that. field goal ranking. Yeah, he, like before yeah. he goes out on the field, before that. the fifty-two yarder, Burrow said it at, at the, after the game. He said he just looks at me and said, "Well, I guess we're going to the AFC Championship." One and he the, goes out there and makes a fifty-two yarder. And says, the one AFC of those stories you only hear about after he makes it. If he misses it, right. you never yeah, hear yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Mobley does hit both. No, he misses the second, and that might be. So we got 1.3 seconds left. 95-93. Mobley misses three of the last four free throw attempts. And now I'm th- now I'm thankful for that. So now you need a bucket to tie. Yeah. But not a three. You're a humongous dog. <laughs> yes, I am. Because not only would you need that miracle, then you'd have to cover in overtime. Good luck. Some uh, so that that show that I tell you guys like that I'm typically listening to the NFL Network and it's like Tom Brady has Jim that Gray. show every yeah every yeah. week. I wasn't listening today. He never gives so Jim of Gray course any like so I wasn't listening today. So of course he he drops this. So this just just came through a little bit ago. So uh, talking about his future and. He has now kind of, I, I'm not going to say tipped his hand, but he said that his role as a husband and a father is going to play a big part in his decision, which he le- went on to say, it pains me to see, talking about his wife Giselle, it pains her to see me get hit out there and she deserves what she she deserves what she needs from me as a husband, and my kids deserve what they need from me as a dad. I said a few years ago, it's what relationships are all about. It's not always what I want. It's what we want as a family, and I'm going to spend a lot of time with them and figure out in the future what's next. That sounds like a man who's done. So, um, yeah, I, I saw those quotes coming down from Twitter. I didn't know where they were coming from, so thanks do, for clearing do you make, that Do you make those comments if you're coming back? I don't really think so. I, I don't know how much you guys have heard about this stuff, but like the like over the past week there's been some of these stories coming out about him kind of really getting involved in some of his other businesses. Yeah. And there's been some speculation that, you know, that's – what he's more interested in doing the, now. The, yeah, the well, quote I mean, ends with playing football. I get so much joy from it. I love it, but not playing football. There's a lot of joy in that for me now, too, with my kids getting older and seeing them develop and grow. Nick's to inbound. Having trouble inbounding. Randall, fade away three for the win. Short. Cavs win by two. That was a terrible shot. <laughs> Wait, that, what, that, that's what you designed? That's what you designed. And for Randall? Like, and there's the loser video. Sorry. It's okay, Jordan Clarkson's going to get it back for me tonight because I did end up betting that. Well, let me just say that, Matt. What you're saying right there, he's gone. That that sounds like a guy yeah. Yeah. who at this point is like, okay, yes, I could play probably another couple of years, but it's like at what – Expense to my so, to my family, like right. Yeah. I mean, he's forty four years old. I mean, like he's missed, and he wants to watch his kids grow yeah. up. Yeah, the rest of the time now, he's forty four. You get to a certain age, man. By the way, if you're Tom Brady, you've done it all. Right. And you've done it all a million times. You you went to Tampa Bay. You won a Super Bowl. You gave that franchise its Super Bowl, and. It didn't work out this year because of injuries. By the way, I would argue that they got a run of unbelievable, you know, good fortune in the playoffs last year, too. Whatever the case, he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. Absolutely, and there's nothing to be yeah. I, there's nothing to be ashamed about of hanging it up now. It wouldn't surprise just, me, too. He seems I, like the guy who would let him know fairly. So like, like, like I, I don't – this doesn't seem like one of those drag it out forever. Like, I think he's the guy who would be like, hey, you're going to need to replace me. Like, you know, like so I, I think he where, likes Bruce Arians a ton. That's you know? where it gets odd to me, and that's why I brought up, like, the business stuff and some of the stuff I've been reading about, just because it's it seems like a, a major, major change – from what th- those quotes today, from what we heard from, I'm playing to 45. Yeah. Well, you know, why yeah. not? I love playing football. So whether it's something with the team or 
outside interests other than just that? Like, like everything he said in those quotes that you read, Matt, understandable. He's old enough. A family. But, I mean, like, there's a lot of football players that have to think about that, right? I mean, every year that's a consideration for so many NFL players. What's interesting, again, George Blanda played till he was 46 years old, I believe. George Blanda had lamb chop gray sideburns and chain smoked, right? And when we, we see the image of him at the latter days of his career, he looked like he was 65 years old. Tom Brady is almost that age, 44. But he, you know, he looks like he's what? He looks 30 like he's 26. Something. Yeah, yeah. Looks better so, than when he was a rookie. So it sort of deceives us. I, I mean, I, t- I can, those quotes to me, are not the quotes of somebody who says that yeah. and then turns back and Completely in with you. Completely you, with you. You don't say that out loud. Well, once you start talking about your wife and kids, yes. right? Like, like now that you've brought that into the conversation, hundred percent. Like you're saying, like it's it's kind of hard to walk that back, right? Because yeah. now if you go play, it's like, oh, you don't like your wife and kids. <laughs> it's like right, right. Like, you're like, oh, really? You don't, Giselle? You deserve to see me you here see at high, home. You see the headlines, don't you? Tom Brady hates wife and kids. <laughs> like like that would be what happens. Giselle, you deserve to see me home, but. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to be here. I'm playing. The yeah. the other little bit of of by the way, Bruce, of, Bruce Arians. Yeah. By the way, just to mm-hmm. wrap up on that, Bruce Arians today quoted as saying he is comfortable with uh, Blaine Gabbert. Who's the other quarterback on the roster there in Tampa Bay? Blaine Gabbert and whoever else is there. He's comfortable with it. Didn't they take Trask? Ryan Griffin? I'm hearing from downstairs. Okay, thank you downstairs. We are comfortable. We're, we're comfortable with Blaine Gabbert with that? and Ryan Wait, Griffin. Who took Trask? Trask, that's who it was. Uh, Trask, Trask. Also. Yeah. yes, yeah. Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask. Okay. That's exactly who it was. Um, no, thank you downstairs. Yeah, this uh, and and so this this deal with the Rams, right? So obviously home game. They're really worried about uh, San Francisco fans and all this stuff. So mm-hmm. like the they the the Rams put out a thing yesterday that if you buy tickets, your billing address has to be in the greater Los Angeles area, or your order or your your ticket order is canceled. And so they're trying to wow. not get overrun by by 49ers fans. Now, listen, hmm. that, that policy might change by Wednesday if they haven't sold this thing out because they obviously you want the money uh, when it's all said and done. But that was, there's such front runners in L.A., though. That was, They'll be all about that it. Was such, uh, that was interesting. And then also um, Andrew Whitworth's wife came out on Twitter, and she was like, Rams fans, if you don't want your tickets don't I'll buy them. Don't sell them to like, she's like, I'll buy them. Like do not sell them to, to 49ers fans or whatever. And then I went and looked and and Andrew Whitworth has made $106 million over the course of his career. So she can buy all of those tickets that you guys don't want anymore. $106 million. So, so she can buy all those. $106 million. He's, he looks like he's 60, but he's what? 40. Andrew Whitworth. Yeah. Yeah. 40. Yeah. Uh, oldest left tackle to ever uh, start a game. This is a question, just a random question. Are there legalities involved in something like that? Like where you're not, if you're outside of a certain zip code, we're not selling you the tickets? I mean, I guess not because they put out an official statement on it. Well, they must know. <laughs> they must have checked on it beforehand, I guess. It's not the first time I've heard about that. By yeah. the way, have you ever thought that, that teams didn't care about people in the, in the stands? There yeah. you go. It matters. NFC Championship. We'll come back. Golf one and done and the draft next. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VSIN, the sports betting network. VSIN's got a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. It's our all new big game, big dance special, providing VSIN Plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. 
United States dollars. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming big game and college hoops betting guides, plus full access to Beeson.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. Huge betting time of the year. Don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today for only $69. 179.52 Belarusian rubles. Oh, nice. I think that's the first time you've gone Belarusian. Belarusian rubles, 179.52. One day soon, you'll run out of countries. One, one day. One, one day. day. One day. Probably like, more rapidly than we think because a lot nah, of people use the same touched, money. Yeah, you like, barely yeah. touched South America. Like, come on. Yeah, that's true. You got a lot. One day, though. Some people use the same money. Yeah, but even you've, you've used those. You've hit dollars all over the planet. <laughs> all over the planet. Time to review our primetime action. Golf one and done. Oh, looky here. Uh, just increasing the lead. Just like a million dollar lead on us. Sung JM did pretty well in this tournament, so I pick up another $184,000 plus uh, on the heels of the Russell Henley performance last week. And uh, you guys didn't make the cut. <laughs> did not make the cut. No, <laughs> but we held on. But we held on to the Joker, and you played. You played the Joker this week. So there's. We at least. We at least still have that in our pocket, Kelly. Oh, we at yeah. least still have it. We at least still have the guy that somehow, even though there's 52 weeks in a year, plays 67 tournaments a season <laughs> in Sung JM, and we'll be able to use him in some one of these little podunk tournaments this 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 season I, at some I, point. I was shocked actually, though, Gil, that you did, you didn't get more out of that. It was it was so log jam. Oh, I was about to say like what yeah. did he, TA yeah. or something. So yeah, right. So he ended up finished T11. Oh, so yeah. so it's all the splits with the guys that he tied with, and then it's you know like it was that log jam. He just ended up finishing kind That's of the correct. back end. Oh, because they had to split it so many different ways? Yeah, how, yeah. How much total money did you end up winning with last year? Do you remember? Uh, over $3 million, I believe. Wyatt downstairs yeah. can check for me. I'm, I'm over, I'm, I'm close to a third of yeah. the way to your price after two tournaments. But yeah. it'll be, I was but too, we didn't though. start at the beginning of the year. Because I yes. won this tournament last That's year. That's true. Yeah. Like, we didn't start at the beginning of the year, though. Like, last year. Yeah, we did. We sure did. I don't think so. We played these exact same Yes, ones. we did. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. Siwoo Kim was here last year for me. Yep. And we played the week before. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Hmm. Look at the red on mine, though, on our golf draft. Is that good? A royal flush of red? Don't I get anything for that? <laughs> no bueno. No bueno. Anyway, I have one win. Uh, Kelly gets the win this week. Kelly takes down two. He got uh, Hoagie top 20. And Abraham answer over uh, Corey Connors. Matt only had the can't lay over run. That's a lot of red on that screen for all of us. Where did, where did Luke List finish? 22. I'm, okay. Yeah. That no, surprised me. I, was, I went to go look I was it up. Say, I, was like, like, oh. I know he was. You were close. I know he was close. Got, we were combined 3 and 12. <laughs> yeah, not a great tournament. Not, not a, a great one. tournament. Yeah. Hoagie Betts at least made it like. Close to a push weekend for me, but even it was a small loser. But hey, this is what we talk about all the time. Um, you know, Matt, I know we were going to bring this up kind of tomorrow when we're talking about this golf tournament this week, but it's the I. Uh, like, you're going to play a guy that's 141. Yes, I love, I, I was praying that was going to get home yesterday, but these guys with the win equity, them they just don't have it. It, it, it's you cannot just bet outrights. If you're gonna bet golf, you're gonna bet golf regularly like Matt and I do. You need to have cashing a six to one on him in top twenty just to keep it a small losing week. You lose your whole golf betting bankroll real quick if all you're betting is is outrights. And that was that was your story, right, Matt? Yeah, I mean, and 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 look, 
it's we talk. You'll hear us say this over the course of the whole thing. Like this, this whole win equity thing that we talk about. Like you'll hear us continue to say this over the course of the year. We're like so, Harold Varner has never won a PGA Tour event. Harold Varner started out yesterday. Birdies four, birdies five, birdies eight. Finds himself tied for the lead. I saw that. Probably looked up at the scoreboard and goes, "Oh, I'm tied I'm for the tied lead." For the lead. <laughs> then goes out. Bogey's nine, yeah. triples ten, bogey's fourteen, bogey's sixteen. He finishes T twenty two. He was tied for the lead after eight holes. Well, maybe you should tell Harold Varner not to look at the leaderboard yeah. then, and and ends up T twenty two. And so that's why when we talk about these guys with win equity, like if these guys have been playing on tour a long time and have never won a tournament, yeah, there's a reason for that, like. Because, like, again, this wasn't a super strong field here, right? I mean, if there was a tournament for Harold Varner to break through, it's here. Was, yeah. You know, if there was a tournament for some of these other guys to break through, like, this this is it. Like, like this, this is those type of tournaments. But, you know, I mean, these guys just, for whatever reason, just can't quite close it and get it done. And listen, golf is the, one of these super weird sports. Like, we talk about all the time. Like, you can look up at that scoreboard and go, Oh my God! I'm tied for the lead. He headed straight to the tee and he shanked the crap out of this out of his next tee. And it's like because you just you move one little millimeter to the right or to the left or whatever it is, and then it's over. It's like just and then it's game over, especially in a tournament like this where so many guys were log jammed and so many guys were were going low. It, it, so anyway, that's why you'll hear us talk about win equity. Like a lot of these guys can go out there and get it done on a Sunday and. Some of these guys just cannot. Uh, the the women's tennis equivalent, by the way, Harold Varner wishes he had the career of Anna Kornikova. Yes. Anna Kornikova, who is married to Enrique Iglesias, they have kids. Anna Kornikova, known for her her uh, beauty as much as her her tennis, she was a top ten women's tennis player. She was the number eight ranked tennis player in the world at one point. She won a grand total of zero titles. Not a, not a, you know, not any yeah. slams, not any of the near slams, not any of the lesser tours. She just could never win a tournament. She got super duper close, but never won once as a top ten player of the world. And so there are just people like that, right? Yeah, they just can't get over that hump. It's, uh, it, I'm sure they wonder why we play these top twenty market, top twenty forty, twice, whatever yep, markets twice. and stuff, and like that. This that's just matchups why. and top twenties. Yeah. That, that's how you that's how you can keep a season betting going. Otherwise. You'd, you'd be you're gonna be done before you can even get, uh, get through two months of the season, probably with whatever bankroll you set aside. Getting word from Isaiah downstairs, I was a little off on our one and done numbers from last year. Hmm. I won with seven point six million. Oh, pardon you me. You were in second with four point six. Matt had three point eight. Yeah. So seven point six. Oh, so yeah. There's a long way to go. You yeah. did. Wow, that's a lot of that's a lot of money. What'd you spend that I money had a, on? I had a first. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, I did have a. I did have a outright like. I had an outright and two second place finishes last year. So. And what did what did Henley finish last week? Second. So I've got one second. Yeah, you got one second. Yeah. And and one eleventh. Yeah, he 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 lost in a playoff. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Matt was like, Matt, "Please win." I, yeah. You asked me that question. I was like, "Should Matt?" I'll wait yeah, answer it lost, for Matt. He lost. In I don't even remind him of that. He lost in a playoff. That was unfortunate. But this, this, this one, uh, we'll we'll go over this tournament tomorrow. It's this is the first. This is the first biggie. This is the first real, real tournament with a real hard, difficult course setup, mm-hmm. like the whole nine yards here. So this one, this one is no joke. And which one is this? 
this one's at Tory Pines. This one is the Travelers, and this is no, like farmers insurance. Farmers insurance. Yeah. Uh, all these, it's all insurance. Yeah, everything's <laughs> an insurance. Uh, farmers and like Tory's super long, narrow fairways, deep, like three inch rough. I mean, like this is where the cream rises to the to the top. I saw right? this like, on uh, Data Golf earlier today. They, they tweeted this out, Matt. You're talking uh, both courses here with two of the top ten. Toughest uh, greens to putt on in P- on the PGA Tour. You ever played Torrey Pines before? I played it, but I played the the one that was less picturesque, whichever of the courses mm-hmm. that is. I was. I, supp- I don't know why, but I feel like I've heard, I feel like Gil's t- told this story eight times on this show, and, and I know you have it, but like I didn't it's think just it, funny. I didn't think it was. Re- I didn't think it was remarkable. <laughs> Like, I just didn't think it was that remarkable. I, I was like, remember, uh, I remember the first time you brought it up, and then you figured out, like, like you thought you didn't play the the, the one with the better views. And then you looked it up, and you're like, what? Why did I play this one? Yeah. And I didn't think it was that. Uh, it was a weird experience. I didn't think it was that amazing. But I, I probably uh, hacked up that course as well, as I recall. Yeah, it's one of those, you know, you throw in some drones and helicopters to take some shots of the course, oh. and it, it will look a lot better on TV, that's for sure. Well, I mean, there's the one course I didn't play, which is beautiful, so. Um, the, those uh, those New York numbers, we were the guys that we were speculating on, <laughs> we were wondering where where they were going to get. Oh. So, uh, numbers came in for the first nine days of mobile betting being live. 603 million in handle for the first nine days. Oh my of, god! So it's already the biggest. It's already the biggest sports betting state. For, it'll be the first. The first month, it'll already be the biggest sports betting state. Wait a minute! Six hundred thousand nine days. So they're on pace for a for a two billion dollar month. Yeah, it'll 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 slow down for sure. But but six hundred and three in the first nine days. This is from Jason Scott, BetMGM's national VP of trading, via Patrick Everson, man about town. When I dig into the numbers, it was a record day for us in Nevada, including all previous Super Bowls. Talking about yesterday? Yeah. Wow. Including all previous Super Bowls? The weekend betting. Oh, the weekend. The whole weekend. Still, that's impressive. Those four games exceeded all Super Bowls? Stood out to me, too. I I mean, I think it's, you know, it's different. It's hard to compare, you know, stuff for like a new market in New York and and, and, and what's going on here in Nevada, but I just think it speaks more to the general interest in sports betting and how it's just increasing, increasing, increasing. But that shows you that rising tides lift all boats, right? Because Nevada hasn't gotten knocked at all. He's talking about Nevada. That's surprising to me right there. Jason Scott from BetMGM, courtesy of Patrick Everson. We'll come back. We'll look at uh, some of the lines on the Australian Open matches tonight and repeat the bet that I got going. Coming back, VEASAN's primetime action. You are looking live at primetime action with Gil Alexander and Matt Brown on VEASAN, the sports betting network. It's never too early for the big game to prepare for the big game, and we want to make sure VEASAN's part of your plans. We'll be with you throughout the playoffs, then on championship weekend. Actually, let's call it the big game weekend, so there's no confusion. We'll have 56 hours of free video coverage on VEASAN.com leading up to our sixth, count them, sixth, sixth annual live big game betcast. We'll be here for that. We're doing the big game betcast. Stormy Bonatoni will be uh, will be emceeing the whole dilio, correct? Am I right on that? 
Yeah, you've got uh, Mike Pritchard will be in here with us yes. to uh, help us out from a former player's perspective during the Super Bowl. Love it. We had Pritch in last year. Yep, and then we'll have uh, yeah, Stormy will be kind of running the whole halftime show, pregame show, postgame show, and the nightcap fellows will be heavily involved with that, Tim Murray, Sean King. Nice. It's the biggest game of the year, so make plans now to join the VEASAN betting experts before, during, and after the action on VEASAN.com. 56 hours for everyone, 57 apparently for me. 57, you are going to be on, uh, you're going to be on Dan Burke. He's got to do rush hour. Yeah, <laughs> He's got to do rush hour. <laughs> Doing yes. the whole hour. Yes. The whole hour. If you, you, you could do it, Kill. Come on. One, gonna... one day, I don't know if you remember this, but remember I kicked Jeff Parles out of the chair for like an hour of your show just so I could say I hit for the VEASAN cycle and produced every show oh, within like a week? Is that right? <laughs> it was like, this was years ago. But the cycle. <laughs> I was like, hey, Parles, you want to take like a two-segment break? And I he remember, was like, yeah, of course. I remember you did a numbers game a time or two. A time or two. Of that. Well, that's the big time, Kelly. That's the big time. <laughs> oh, Australia at open quarters tonight. Uh, ladies off to start, by the way. Maddie keys up a set and two breaks. No, yes, two breaks on Barbora Krajikova. Madison Keys has found her stride. Sometimes they tell the truth. And, like, she was blatantly honest. She was like, I didn't like playing for a while, yeah. and I like playing again. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, like, it, sometimes they just tell the truth, and, like, it certainly seems that way now. She was like, yeah, I'm actually enjoying playing again, which makes me play better. And that she, makes all the sense in the world. She, uh, It does. Yeah. And we talk about it a lot. Like, if you, Imagine if you just played this for your entire life since you were a teenager. And at some point, you will go crazy, right? You just feel like, I got to stop. Unless you're a machine like Federer and Nadal, yeah. and they never get sick of it. Tonight, uh, first of all, here's the rest of the women's quarters. Um, so the second of the quarters is tonight, stateside. Ash Body. Huge minus 750 favorite over Jesse Pagula, who we have bet on many, many times before, but uh, this just didn't. We're not betting on her here. Ash Barty, the number one uh, seed for a reason, and that is an appropriate price, by the way, tomorrow. Then you have Danielle freaking Collins, minus 320 against Alizé Cornet, the French woman, who uh, took down. Who'd she take down? She had an upset the other day. Halep. Halep, that's right. Yeah, plus she, she was the beneficiary of of of, of, of one of the Halep, the famous Halep punt offs, where <laughs> Halep b- blames every everybody but herself, the racket, her coaches. She's screaming uh, at the fans. Got like, rid of you know. got rid of Darren Cahill <laughs> as her coach, and then Iga, Iga, my girl, Sviatek minus four twenty five against Kaya Kanepi. All of these appropriately priced. There just simply is. I, well, actually, I shouldn't say that because I, I I don't know. I haven't crunched the numbers on Collins or the Svatek matches, but generally speaking, I don't think there's an upset here. Way down on Collins, so if you and and way up on Ega, so it I, I mean it all balances out if you wanted to do a if you wanted to do just an all favorite parlay. But yeah. Collins down to minus two eighty five, yeah, and Ega all the way up to four seventy five. Yep, a Barty Collins Ega parlay minus one eighteen. That's yeah, not bad. Not bad. Mm-mm. Minus 118. Men's side. Men's quarters, which begin later on here, just actually pretty soon from now, where we get Dennis Shapovalov against Rafa Nadal. Rafa seeking his 21st Grand Slam singles title. Nadal is now over $3. Uh, listen, it's Nadal. Shapovalov is playing great, but this is what we talk about on this show all the time when it comes to tennis. Think how great Dennis Shapovalov is. Just one of the greatest tennis players in the world. And he ain't Nadal. Yeah, and and I would have, under what I thought I might see out of Nadal in this tournament, I would almost, I would have thought that maybe I'd have said like, ah, you know, 240 on shovel. No, Nadal has looked like, yeah. 
He's like he rolled back the clock five years. You know, like dude just looks as good as he did pre all these injuries and all these things going on. So yeah, I mean he is. I'm not getting in the way of him. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I, I plan on waking up to this next one to see how I'm doing. This is my bet tonight. I'm on Gael Monfils, the Frenchman, plus one fifty. I got him at plus one forty. You can get him at a better number now against the Italian Matteo Berrettini. Berrettini's minus one eighty. I love the dog price here on Monfils. This was one of these where I looked at the numbers yesterday and I couldn't go fast enough to bet Monfils, seeing the data on this. Um, so that's the price. And it went against me, which to me, again, here's where it comes to when when the market moves against my numbers in tennis, I couldn't care less. Like my numbers better. I used to feel that way about baseball. Those days are long, long gone, by the way. And then uh, tomorrow, and, and the times are not determined yet, but Daniil Medvedev minus 750 over Felix Auger-Aliassime. Aliassime, Auger-Aliassime beat uh, Marin Cilic yesterday. Medvedev beat the American Maxime Cressy. And by the way, Medvedev is like the most, he's just the rudest dude in the world. As, as Cressy is competing with him yesterday, Medvedev out loud, you're so lucky. You're getting so lucky. I can't believe how lucky this guy is. He's just the worst. Like, and if you look like him, you shouldn't be that cocky. No, you like, should like, like, if you look like Medvedev, like, I, I would, if Medvedev ran in, like, ran into me in a bar and, like, gave me an elbow, like, I would fight him. Like, 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 like he does not look like a pro athlete. Like, it would be like, I would, I would fight him. And then as, sure. as you're getting in punches, he'd be like, you're so lucky. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, you are, you're, this, you don't even punch hard. Like, you're so you lucky. Uh, and then what could be an awesome match, Yannick Sinner against Stefanos Tsitsipas. I'll have to crunch those numbers, see where I come down on this one. Uh, Tsitsipas did get by Taylor Fritz, who had a great run in this tournament, the American Sinner, the favorite, minus 155. So a slight adjustment on all these, as we would expect. You know, people bet into these markets as we're on air. So Nadal minus 290 now. You can get 230. Uh, uh, I mean, minus two, uh, two, not 290 now. Uh, as you mentioned, Malfi moved a little bit, plus 155 for him. Medvedev down just a little bit, minus 700 on him as opposed to 750. Yeah. And then Sinner down just a tad as well, minus 150. On him, you can get 125 on Stefano. <laughs> it's the most disrespectful thing ever watching that match because Cressy played this game. He was a throwback where he was like, I'm serving and volleying. It's the only way I can beat this dude. So every point was serve, and then he sprinted to the net. And uh, Medvedev out loud goes, this is so boring. <laughs> Said it out loud. Incredible. This is so boring. We, we often make fun of the, the yeah. different, the, the country club sports. The, the three of us bet heavily here on, yes. on the show in, in, in kind of the, the names, the personalities, whatever. But the... It blows my mind that you would you hear that on the tennis court uh, with like they, like on the golf course like you're never hearing that Matt you know what I mean yeah. like you know like you're not playing well, with someone who's trading like ten foot putts and you're like you're so lucky well, man you're so lucky. we did hear the we did hear what Rom thought about this tournament this past week though did yeah, you see right. that oh what did he say uh, yeah, well, we cannot say on air what he oh. said, but uh, he, he let's put it this way: he did not <clears> like <throat> the setup of that tournament uh, one bit. We'll just we'll just put it that specifically. Way. What about the setup? Uh, how easy it was. Oh, okay. Just the scoring. There were a bunch of expletives, yeah. and then he said it's turned into an expletive putting contest. Mm. I mean, and it, I mean, and I, so, I can't fully disagree with that. Yeah. But like, hey, guess what, John? Like, you don't have to play in every tournament. That's one well, of the that's what we were saying. He didn't play golf. this for several years in a row, and then he came back. This, I, I'm, I'm telling you, Amex must have. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, 
And then, like, he didn't think he was going to get caught, like, cursing the tournament. I think it's, like, a really bad look for golfers to have those kinds of attitudes, though, because it's like you spent your life playing golf. Yeah. I get it. What a calamity you're experiencing yeah. here. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I mean, I mean, and we're talking John Rom would be the one guy, though, to, like, actually say something like that. Who ended up beating you, by the way? Who ended up winning the tournament? Was it Hudson Swafford? Hudson Swafford, yes. yes. I thought about that yeah, immediately. My, my, li- yeah, my line all weekend Hudson when someone's asked Swafford. me. Yes. Hudson Swafford. My line all weekend, Gil, when someone's asked me about it, I said, a dude named Tom Hoagie never stood a chance on a golf course never against should. a guy named Hudson. Uh, Hudson Swafford was born on a golf course green. <laughs> I was betting on a Tom Hoagie. Like, come on. Oh, man. Don't blow this, Maddie Key. She's already given one break back in the second uh, set. Up a, up a set and two breaks. Now she's up one break in the uh, second set. Do you think Hudson Swafford has ever woken up before 9 a.m. when it wasn't like a tea time, like when it went on an actual golf tournament? <laughs> like his whole life. Like he never had to get up before nine o'clock in the morning, oh, so like ever nice. in his whole life. Like I'm sure it's he's just, a great guy. It's just like, did you watch the end of the Hudson tournament? Hudson Swafford doesn't get up before nine a.m. Like, there's just no way. Like when he, no, when he walked out to fresh squeezed orange juice yeah, on the he patio, he walks down and like the butler makes his his stuff or whatever. <laughs> he goes to the club later and plays around about one o'clock in the afternoon right, and yeah. finishes with some Johnny Blue and uh, on the rocks, please. <laughs> Uh, I feel like I went to school with a couple guys named Hudson yeah, Swafford. Yeah. I, I, I will. I'm gonna. I'm gonna be nice to Hudson for a moment. There is nothing about. Is there anything better in sports when we get so wrapped up in like the betting aspect and everything? Obviously, I am so mad yesterday with that result. Hudson Hudson Swafford's little kid comes running out it's afterward. True. Yeah, it's this little two year old jumps right in his dad's arms. It's a, you know Hudson's first win in a while, and all the kid says, "Can we go see the Ducks, Dad?" We're oh, just like, oh, that puts things into perspective yes, every it time. Does. It also is as better as the fact that I barely knew who won the tournament, right? All I was doing was following your bet. It's like, come on, Kelly, get Tom Hoagie home. And, of course, he didn't. Uh, We've done all we can do. The nightcap from Circa is next. Enjoy. Let's get it home, Guy Elmo Feast from VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network.